Well, I just tried calling Stan, and I never got hold of the man. It said the Google subscriber you've called doesn't something or other I can't quite recall. So here we wait for Stan, wait for Stan. We're going to interview Knight. Interview Knight. You've never met Knight, but you will in a moment, or two, or three, or four, or five, or six, or six. Yeah. Hi, Knight. Hi. Here we are. Here we are. It, it, you, it feels like we've kind of gone full circle in a way. Tell me how. Originally, it was me at seven years old meeting you, and then now, now we're back in a meeting together <laughs> to talk about art again. Are we 15 years later? Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. It's been so long. Let me introduce how I met you yes. to Stan. Mm-hmm. I met Knight when she was seven years old. Her parents approached me about teaching her. I did not take the opportunity, which has been a lifetime regret. Uh, A friend of ours, however, did. Yes, Josh Reed was an amazing influence on my life. And I do put a lot of emphasis on the things that he, he has taught me even since then. My family met you because your wife went to a concert that my sister was performing at. And then we just happened to all be talking. And then it was like, oh, you do art. She also does art. Is there something? Yes. <laughs> Could we get something to happen here? And so, yeah. No, that was... I still remember that uh, meeting at Starbucks. I remember it too. I don't remember anything that I said. I hope I didn't say anything embarrassing. You were seven years old. <laughs> and I don't remember that you said a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do remember thinking that I don't know that I'm ready to teach a seven-year-old. I'm not used to this. <laughs> and I trusted Josh Reed as a good teacher, and I knew that he had taught young people. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm very glad that that worked out as it did. Oh, yeah. And no, I amazing. also remember that your sister is your older sister. Yes. And she was an accomplished musician. Yes. And then there was a newspaper article about her. Oh. And so, there were two, two sisters, <gasps> one in music, one going into art. And then I want to hear from here mm-hmm. uh, a few things. One is what you did, what you studied with Josh, and what you did after you studied with Josh to continue your education. And also, our audience may not know that you are a pro <laughs> at the age of 22. And we want to hear about that as well. Okay. I basically have stuck with art for the entire duration. I went to an arts high school at Orange County High School of the Arts in Santa Ana. But my family actually moved across the United States uh, for some reason two days before my high school graduation. (laughs) So that happened. And I spent, I think, a gap year in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina before I, I believe I told you, I went to Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Uh Georgia. Um, I had a time there um, and decided I wanted to come back to California. So, transferred back to LCAD. 
um, and completed about two years. Um, and now I am on a leave of absence for the indefinite future <laughs> um, mm -hmm. to work on more professional stuff. Can you talk about what you're working on? Yeah. So uh, I've kind of been working freelance for quite a while. How long? I think at this point it's about eight or nine years. Oh, wow. I've done casual freelance for a while, not really professional, but uh, in the past couple years, I've started taking on a lot more professional work uh, for a lot of indie game development studios, um, working on pitch decks for uh, companies that are trying to put out a brand new million dollar IP. Um, and then just recently, I finished my contract with Valve, which I, I consider my first like big boy gig, <laughs> sort of a thing. Um, Valve so, is a big deal, yes. Yeah, that was very exciting. And it was the first time I actually got to experience the release of something that I did to a wide audience. So that was a really special experience for me too. Well. I have so many questions now. <laughs> you, you start, Stan. I'll go back to the beginning. You said you studied with, sorry, and sorry, it was Josh Reed, is that right? Yes. Josh Reed and from 7 to 10. What did you study at the age of seven? Like, wh what kind of lessons was he giving you? How often did you guys meet up? Did you have homework? Oh. Like, tell me about that. Uh, I wish, I wish I, I was more cognizant. I wish I was a less of a demon child. Um, but okay. uh, so yeah, so he actually did all of the heavy duty lifting for me, um, and I feel very grateful. He taught me pretty much all of my fundamentals. So. Um, he taught me basics of perspective, of composition, of anatomy. Um, he taught me uh, just how to perceive art to a child who kind of didn't understand art as a concept, really. Uh, I kind of just did art. That was the thing that I did at seven. Um, but he made it more interesting because he actually brought in other influences. He he was the first person I actually talked about art to. Um, and I still use a lot of the things that he taught me to this day. You mentioned that um, Josh taught you anatomy. He he did it well. He Yeah. No, I still remember all the same things. That's, that's amazing that you were studying anatomy at that at such a young age. Yeah, I was I was really lucky that he felt the need to teach me that at a young age because I don't think I would have learned it yeah. properly and for a very long time after that. But yeah, no, I it's it's the same thing that he made me do is, is what I tell other people to do is to learn names, learn bones, learn learn the functions of everything, not just know what it looks like to actually know them by name yeah, by function. Purpose is is was mm -hmm. life-changing for me and i still remember all the lessons and writing down like the like radial brachialis on a piece of paper that you wrote on a line <laughs> and then i have to like color in the, the muscle and explain where it connected to and i hated it at the time but it was actually probably one of the most fun like units that we did together because it was very very hands-on very exploratory and yeah no i i still remember everything from that lesson great that's cool and yes there was homework i think we met every like it used to be once a week and then we changed every two weeks and there was homework uh basically exercises like what kind of exercises 
you know, it was like drawing a box in perspective, drawing something in three-point perspective, uh, practicing okay. line weights or uh, shading. It depends on what we were studying that week. Um, he did everything from this book. Like, I don't remember what the title of it oh, is, but it's... The, the, the yellow book? Yes. That little yes, yellow book? Yes. Yellow book. Uh, what was that guy's name? McIntyre? Gosh, I, I, I don't know what his name was, but we need to find it. That was a book that went out of print. It Hold on. I might have it. Is it a little is it a book that I told you about Stan years ago that Josh was using it to teach a young Maybe. I don't know how I got it, but uh I have a very skinny yellow book somewhere. Yeah. It has like a a drawing of a bunch of geom like 3D shapes and flags yeah. on it cuz flags was a big part of teaching perspective and overlapping. <laughs> oh, I remember. And I, I have to say, at the time, I didn't enjoy it, but that, that book is actually excellent. It's actually an amazing book. <laughs> yes, he showed it to me before he started introducing you to it, and I was so impressed with it. Uh, that's it. That's it, <gasps> yes! right? Yes, that's it. <laughs> Bruce McIntyre. My goodness. Oh, what a blast from the past. Should I flip through it a little bit? Sure. I can't believe I have it. <laughs> it needs to come back amazing. into print if it is the beginning education of night. It is. I, I'd actually say it's it's quite, you know, it, it covers pretty basic materials, but sometimes it's the basic materials that you just need to see <laughs> first to really understand why they're important. There was a lot of times when I was doing exercises from the book where I, I thought, yeah, I know what this is. I look at things in real life. I know exactly what it looks like, but you don't actually know what it looks like until you've had to draw it, you right. know? Um, and like, that's the same with perspective. It's the same with proportion and lines. And, and I didn't really appreciate, unfortunately, the exercises at the time. I thought they were quite boring, but they're actually amazing. And um, I still wow. think about each page. I think my mom still has a stack of them back at home. They're just like stacked under all of the exercises that I did still. Well, Knight, I remember That's that cool. every week and then later it was two weeks because he was in Lynn Empire. He'd come down to Orange County, he would teach you, and then we would walk together. And so yeah. I was getting reports regularly <laughs> on how things were going. So that was how I was keeping in touch with you at the time, was through your teacher. <laughs> that is amazing. He did mention that he took walks on you. I'm like, I want to take walks with Marshall, despite the fact that I am 10 years old. <laughs> Have you ever taken a walk with Marshall? It's a privilege. No. Oh, Mar Marshall. Didn't we hang out at Animation Expo? We did. I still remember that. That was actually amazing. And you were like how old? 12, 13, 14 or something like that? Uh, somewhere far too young. <laughs> but Your parents dropped you off there. We we walked around the floor and yes. you, you yeah. met people. And I don't know whether it was your first convention or not. It was. Yes, I remember it being my first convention and getting very confused with the Animation Expo. It is that CTN? Yes, it was CTN Animation okay. Expo, and it would have been around what 2010, 2000. Yeah, 2000? very early. I yeah, yeah that I kept mixing up that with the anime convention that's in Los Angeles, who is also called uh, Anime Expo. Um, and remember right. being very confused because I'm like, none of these people draw anime. Except it has yeah. the same name, so I don't know. But yeah, no, that was awesome. I loved going to that convention. I remember telling my dad all about it as he was like painstakingly driving home <laughs> that night, being like, I met this person and that person, and Marshall showed me this, and it was awesome. <laughs>
Okay, well, uh, that we want to hear more. We want to hear more about how this happened mm-hmm. that you, at the age of 22, have had a chance to work for Valve and yeah. that you've had freelance work for the last eight years, which means you've been doing freelance since you were about 14 or 15 years old. Is that correct? I believe yeah. so, yes. Yeah, that was one of my questions is how were you, how were you getting your first few freelance jobs? Did you go out and did you try to get them or did they just kind of like fall in your lap? So, it's interesting because I consider myself part of the first generation of what would now become the art community that everyone knows. Um, I was one of the first people to migrate to Instagram and Twitter to make that sort of a real art community at the time. Um, And so, that was around 2013, 2012. Um, And I... I think it was the first time that actually having a market online and having a following and having that kind of level of popularity, which eventually also bled into a a client base, um, was something that I experienced quite early on. I think that's the main reason why I was able to get any work at all is because I had already started what a lot of people are now starting on spaces like Instagram and Twitter um, where they're building a business online, um, except I didn't know it as a business. I saw it as me sharing my art. And then I knew that I could possibly get work if I drew for money. So I offered people the ability to commission me for work for their things. Um, and because of that and people sharing the work that I did for them, I'd get jobs from mainly indie developers or um, people with their own personal projects that they're trying to monetize. uh, And they'd reach out to me and that would grow further into mobile games and stuff like that. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the things that I worked on, I don't think ever really came out. I think a lot of them collapsed because a lot of people were still struggling to to get into the rhythm of indie development in general. Um, But it was still, you know, experiences for me that I could take uh, with me as I kept going. Uh, so yeah, I, I think a lot of them did fall in my lap because I was in a really lucky position because there are very few people actually, um, working in this like small sphere of hobbyists, but also hoping to be career artists, um, on social media at the time. It was just a small pool. So I think, it was easier to find me amongst the people that were online at the time. Because you were you were early. Yes. I, I, I do believe that that is part of the reason. Was this on forums? Is that what you mean by like, the art community that everybody knows? Well, I was on forums, actually. I was on, you know, CG Hub, CG Society. But also mm-hmm. beyond that, I think forums are no longer the place for, for art communities, really. Right. right? Um, now it's a lot of... Um, actually, most artists just start on Instagram and Twitter and they just go gunning, right? They just right. they just start running. They're like, I have my business. Here's my fan art that I'm doing. Here's my original work, you know, and, and they're ready for it. Um, when I was starting, yeah. everyone just wanted to share their work with each other. There was no monetization. There was no personal small business that you were growing. No one had a store. Um, everyone was just there because they drew art and they wanted to share it with other people who had this, a similar interest to them. And now art communities online centralize in on big social media sites like 
Instagram and Twitter. Um, now those sites are professional even. It's almost considered professional to have your portfolio available on those sites. Back then, there was no thing as a portfolio. You just did art and you posted it. Um, so that's kind of what I mean where it was the precursor to the community now where, to be fair, not it, it was kind of... It's pretty similar to the things that we post, but the language with which we post them is different. Um, it used to be we'd write about our day on the bottom of the caption, but now you keep it clean. You have tags. You you write things that people <laughs> yeah. will look at. You have things to promote, so you write them in the captions. And you, you post them at certain times because people <laughs> know the algorithm, right? They're like, oh, you have to post it at yeah. noon. You can't post it on certain days. People won't see it, so you have to post this. You have to post frequently so that the algorithm keeps you in its circle none of that existed at the time it used to be more pure it used to just be everyone's doing it for the yeah excitement of sharing well i mean instagram was just a photo platform it was just selfies yeah. and people taking pictures of their food now it's a it's an art form almost people get jobs being instagram photographers that's a totally different yeah. atmosphere than when i was on social media at the time and so for me growing up on social media growing up with an art community um, it is definitely different. It's, it's a different space. And I think because of that, people struggle a lot more than I did when I was starting out. Because if you, because I, I was able to grow a following before that became normal. So that's what I mean. So when I asked you if it fell in your lap or you did something, th I think this is exactly what I was trying to get to. Because you were probably in the same position that a lot of other people that were in the same community were, but you got the jobs and they didn't. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you did that sets you apart? Again, I, I think part of it is that I got in early. So, a lot of people were trying to find artists to follow. Mm -hmm. And if they found any artist, they just follow them. Now, you get to be picky about what you want. You have styles that you can pick. You have like specific fan artists that you can pick. Or you have people that just do a very niche sort of work. I think partially that is the reason because I started early enough that the people who were following me didn't really have a preference too much. They just kind of liked looking at art. Um, and I do think that at a certain point, once you get to a certain amount of followers, like say around 8,000, 9,000, at the time that meant that the ball was starting to roll. You were basically at a position where you could be counting on a continuous growth that is exponential um, in followers. Uh, at the time, that was the case. I'm not 100% sure if that's the case now. Um, but again, at the time, no one had more than 10,000 followers. Everyone was... On what? On what platform are you talking um, about? I'm mainly talking about Instagram. I'm not familiar. I wasn't familiar okay. with Twitter at the time. I think I joined Twitter officially around 2015. But 2012 mm -hmm. to 2014... Everyone was a cup, like maybe a thousand. If you had a thousand, that was amazing. Uh, if you had a couple hundred, <laughs> oh, so that you were was, in really early. You know, but now it's not enough to have tens of thousands of followers. You have to have a hundred, hundreds of thousands. And so that becomes a lot harder to achieve, <laughs> right? Your niche changes. Um, so yeah. I think for me at the time, I, I do consider it quite a bit of luck because I don't do fan work which I think is a big proponent of, of uh, audience growth, are people that can count on you to do a certain thing. They, they know that they're buying into a very specific product. Um, and if you do a lot of work for a specific content that they like, that's, that's trust that they can put in you as an artist. Um, 
I've always done original work. I've always done work that no one has asked me to do just because I wanted to do it. <laughs> um, and so I was kind of a wishy-washy sort of artist. And I think that's partially why um, I have not grown too much since I stopped being super active on social media, which was about the end of high school. I didn't get that. I didn't get that, why you would not have grown since you started getting active on social media because you did your own thing, because you didn't do what other people were doing. Well, to be fair, social media is not the same as a, as as being honest with your creative ventures. Social media is very much a business, right? Um, uh -huh. And so I was gunning back in high school. Uh, I was posting every day. I was active with people who were who were communicating with me. I basically stayed on the algorithm's good side when it was starting to become an algorithm, <laughs> right? I do want to make an observation that. Mm -hmm. You have mentioned that you've gone to uh, a high school of the arts and a couple of major art colleges, expensive major art colleges, mm -hmm. and yet all of this stuff that you're talking about has nothing to do with what you learn in school. This is that you exemplify a teenager and even a pre-teenager who just says, what do I need to do to sell my art and go out there and figure it out on your own? Which would mean that my response, and I might have been my response at the time, was that uh, I don't know how art school is going to help you because you are self-motivated, uh, not that interested in conforming, but more in doing your own thing. So, this is a, this is a business. We haven't even really gotten to the art yet. <laughs> This has been about the business and marketing and gaining a following. Uh, and I find it uh, helpful for, for listeners who want to know, well, how do, I, how do I pay money to somebody who's going to help me get a career going? And it's look at Knight. Uh, Knight just got a career going. And, and you did this on your own by being an early adopter and paying attention to algorithms. I, I do think in part I was very lucky and, and in fact, you know, I I don't I feel like I'm I'm rare I'm a rare case in the fact that I don't despise art school. I actually quite enjoyed my time there and I also think I did learn things from it. But it wasn't necessarily the things that they had in the in the curriculum. I, I, I learned things <laughs> Can you elaborate okay. on that um, portion of that's interesting. Oh okay, so for me, a lot of the growth that I, I had from art school and my time in art school has primarily been uh, internal because I wasn't there to go to school. I was there to learn the things I needed to know so that when I left school, I was the one that was prepared, you know. So yeah. for me, I think, you know, I, I talked to you, Marshall, about SCAD and how I wasn't so totally pleased with it. Um yeah. But at the same time, SCAD did motivate me to uh, get back into fine art. I started really looking at fine artists in a way that I had never before. Um, and my parents tried really hard when I was younger to fill my world with fine art, but I never understood the allure. I never understood the beauty of it. It felt kind of cheap to me at the time because I wasn't sure why I should care about it. but. I had to take an entire foundations year at SCAD. I didn't get to do any illustration, which was the major that I went in for. But being able to be exposed to that kind of education of a pure fine arts kind of uh, foundations course, it really opened my eyes 
to to being a person who was involved in a lot of different forms of art and a lot of different genres of art. Um, and that, I think, has been actually really helpful for me to grow past who I was when I entered SCAD. I want you to be specific, though. I want to hear specifically what fine art did that made a difference in your development as an artist. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, it just it's just beautiful, right? It's just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, right? Um, Aesthetics. I think, I guess, one big lesson, which I guess we'll, we'll get into some of the lessons that I've learned, um, but one big lesson is that the the struggles that I go through every day as, a, as an artist in this century are the same struggles that every artist has gone through in every other century, but they phrase it differently. I always thought that artists who wrote about this big search in their life, their their life's quest to find this ambiguous thing. And they'd always write about it. They're always looking for something, right? Hokusai was saying how if he only lived another year, maybe he would have actually been a great artist. Uh, things along that nature. I thought it was quite poetic and I don't like poetry. Um, so I always thought it was kind of dumb, right? Uh, but <laughs> if I really think about it and contextualize it, uh, I'm also looking for something. I'm looking for the version of the artist I want to be. Um, and fine art is just a way that people have explored that message for themselves. You mentioned Hokusai. Hokusai is someone we barely mentioned, uh, Stan, and one of the great drawers of history who was so passionately in love with drawing and created iconic imagery. Uh, did that have? Did his work specifically have an influence on you? There are a lot of artists like him that I think throughout history have had the same attitude towards art. It's it's like they love it. They're so infatuated by it, but they hate it at the same time. You know, um, I, I feel like a lot of artists will talk about how how obsessed they are with this search for something else. Um, and I, I think the last that quote that I mentioned was particularly resonating at the time for me um, because it, it it made sense. It's it's like you you struggle every day to figure out who you are as an artist. Is that your your insecurities talking, or is that actually you objectively asking where you're trying to go with your art? Um, and then it culminates in you just feeling like there's not enough time in your lifetime to possibly yeah. reach an answer. Um, and it makes poetic quotes like that seem kind of real. It feels kind of present, um, which is not something I, I could have done before. I, I always felt like old masters were just kind of dramatic. I thought they were kind of theatrical. Um, but in truth, it's, it's the same thing. They're insecure of their vision because they can't possibly see into the future. So... Art by proxy is such an honest form of expression that you can't help but be afraid that what you're expressing is not genuine. Um, and so, you know, for me, realizing that kind of more macro quality to to art was really important for me um, because it I, I think it just opened up a, a more... I guess, uh, welcoming conversation <laughs> in my head. <laughs> we should put that quote on the screen. There's a famous uh, 
quote by Hokusai that if he lives old enough, he'll do something of worth. And he said it when he was old. Yes, I believe he said it on his deathbed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just always like, I just want to live longer so yeah. that I can draw, so that I can do a better drawing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's inspiring to everybody. It's kind of dark. <laughs> but it, at really? The same- I don't take it that way. Really? No, it's it's out of passion. It's a, it, this came up a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of, uh, episodes ago, that when you get excited about the love of your craft, when you get excited about your art form, that is when you want to live to be 200. 200 still isn't long enough. A thousand, two thousand years is not long enough because there's so many things that you feel like I could do if I could. I'm getting better at drawing. I'm getting better at my craft. Oh, the things I could do. And Hokusai embodied that. He's sort of the great historic icon of the guy who loved drawing so much. Yeah. Okay. Who who else though? I want to know who else besides <laughs> Hokusai because this has been very abstract. This has been oh, philosophical. Yes. I want to hear some specific kinds of art or artists who influenced you enough to where you could name them and we could show them. I mean, I grew up with with the likes of Gustav Klimt uh, and Alphonse Mucha, John Singer Sargent, um, J.C. Leyendecker was a big one for me. Um, I think that really introduced me to commercial art. The the history and their like encyclopedias of of art that they've done will always include their biography, and I'd read them, and it. I mean, they had never seemed truly happy, but they definitely made a career out of art, which felt more feasible than the art career that my parents kept trying to to describe to me, which was like, be the tortured, starving artist. Really? Your parents encourage you to be the tortured, starving artist? <laughs> or did I misunderstand that? They must be artists too. I think at the core, their message is, we want you to be honest with your art, you know? That kind of thing. Um, and it's hard to yeah. do that when all you're doing is working a nine to five job at a studio. It's not so much about the creative endeavor. It's about the product that you're you're dishing out for a consumer. That's not as creative to some people. And I think that that was the case for my parents. Well, Knight, this is, this is a new one on me. This is a new one on me that parents, most parents want you, if you're going to go into the arts, are you going to make money? Most parents are not concerned, well, you're making money, but are you tortured? <laughs> that, that is true. My parents were a little weird. I, I think that that actually is one of the things that uh, people find really interesting when I tell them about my uh, backstory, my origin story. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> they, they're always confused by the idea that my parents were supportive. And I think that mm-hmm. that also is a big thing. I think I'm very lucky and very privileged to have parents that one, you know, they come from an artistic family and two, wanted me to be an artist when I grew up. I don't think I had another option, actually. I'm pretty sure my parents told me, because I started a piano. <laughs> that was news to you. I started a piano. I was going to be a pianist. Uh, um, we didn't have more than two pianos at home, so I couldn't practice all the time. So my mom was like, yeah, you should just go do art. And I was like, okay. Wow. That's like the opposite story of everybody it, else. It yeah. Your parents should be <laughs> showcased as, uh, as great champions of their daughters. It's, it's an upbringing that I'm really grateful to have. Um, but you know, like parents succeed and fail in different ways, depending on 
who they are as people. So I think my childhood just ended up being having a different premise. But the the realities of it were were pretty similar um, in terms of, you know, the classic Asian parent who wants their kid to go into law or go and go and be a doctor. They did want me to be able to live realistically. Um, And that cognitive dissonance of does art really pay and um, them wanting me to be an artist because it's such a beautiful form of expression in their eyes. Um, They really struggled with that. And I think they're still struggling because despite the fact that I'm telling them that I'm going into an industry that pays me a nine to five job, they still don't truly understand (laughs) how that works. Because for them, art has always been, you risk everything for a high reward, you know. That um, is really unusual, really, is, really yeah, rare. I've, I've hardly, I've only come across it a couple times in my life that parents have really wanted their their kids to go into the arts that much. And was that was it something you were glad about at the time, or was it the burden of like having to go to medical school and recognizing how hard this is? There was a point when I really hated art. I really didn't enjoy it. Um, Mm. But I actually, I think it was helpful because uh, my parents were actually really um, busy with Amy at the time, or my sister, um, because she was just getting into college. We were like at perfect differences in age where she's, she will be leaving an era of her life just as I'm entering the same era of my life. So she gets to give me all the advice and I get to let her take all the fall damage for, for making the mistakes and such. Huh. Is that four years? Uh, Actually, seven. So we're seven years apart. Seven, okay. But yeah, no, she was getting into college. So that's a big time for her. She was getting into music school and everything. So I was actually left alone quite a bit of the time because, you know, uh, there's just so much to do. Um, And so it gave me a lot of time to kind of be honest with myself. And it really hurt to, to realize that I didn't enjoy drawing at all. Um, cause it was, it was limiting. I, there was never another option for me. Um, I didn't really have other hobbies cause it was never encouraged. Um, I didn't come from a really financially stable household. So that also meant I couldn't really go to extracurriculars. I didn't do a bunch of other stuff. I just drew a ton because that was a free activity that I could do at home. Um, and mm. so I didn't have other options and I think I did resent that at the time cause it, made me at the time i think i felt like i was a very one-dimensional person but as i kind of grew up and grew to have just one this one companion with me which is art um i kind of recognized what i did like about it what i did enjoy in it um and that's the thing that i've I've kind of kept with me i love the act of drawing i'm not so in love with what i'm drawing i don't have grand ideas that i want to be sharing with the world i don't have grand messages that i'm trying to 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 be saying before I die. Uh, I just love the act of it. It's it's meditative, it's healing. Um, and to recognize that part of me was, I think, a big change. Um, because I don't think I really necessarily grasped it until after I graduated from high school. I think by the time I entered LCAD is when I really fell in love with art, truly. Um, so it's been a while. <laughs> It's been a long time. Um, But yeah, no, it's an interesting upbringing, an interesting life lived. (laughs) It is. Your jobs that you were first getting on the internet, Mm -hmm. you said you call them casual, uh, casual commissions or something. Mm -hmm. 
but eventually it led to working at Valve and you are doing work for Valve and you can tell that to the public, right? That's not anything that's... Uh, yes, I mean, I, I had my contract did end with them uh, a couple months ago, but yes, I did, I did work for Valve and now it's out, which is so cool that I could actually say that. It was for their International Battle Pass for Dota 2. Um, which was a much bigger release than they originally told me. <laughs> I thought it was going to be something small. Wait, what is that? An international battle pass? I know what Dota is, but but a battle it, pass. Uh, I believe there were um, characters released, uh, visual skins released for the game, vis- like updates for the game itself, uh, okay. different uh, game design mechanics and UI stuff. Like it was a big update on the game. I believe. Okay, got um, it. And yeah, so so that was pretty big for me. Um, I think that one also, I believe the person who contacted me for that um, was an ex-coworker of one of my teachers at LCAD. And I just happened to have him on LinkedIn. I just accept any LinkedIn requests that come in because I don't know who these people are, but I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, sure, why not? Um, yeah. And... I assume that he had seen my work online. Um, he seemed to know my work quite well because he was just able to pull out like, oh, I like this piece of yours from like 2014 and then this one from 2017 wow. uh, to, to as we were working. So that was actually uh, insane. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was my first big contract and I was very nervous for the whole thing, but they treated me very well. Um, and, and the release went well too, which is really cool. I had never at that point experienced what it's like to have something that I did out in public for people who are not me or not people that I knew to see. Um, so that was a totally different experience too. having people that I had never met before come to me and be like, I love the work that you did on my favorite game. It got me back into playing it. And I was really excited to get the skin and that was that was really cool. I, I think that's going to happen a lot. I think that's <laughs> going to be the next wave of your life. Hopefully. That'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be lovely. It's just so unusual to have someone whose parents push them to go into the arts and to have said that they hated it when for the most part, it's parents concerned that their kid's going to go into the art. And the kid finds it a passion and an escape from parental authority and an escape from what the the pressure of the society saying, don't go into that as a profession. But you are an unusual case, Knight. Marshall, you know, what you're saying right now, like from my experience, it depends really on the culture of the parents. My parents were from the Soviet Union and artists are celebrated there. So, if you're an artist, you are a celebrity. You, you are someone that is a really big part of society. Um, and so, my parents really liked the fact that I was an artist. They were obviously afraid that I wouldn't make any money, but they really liked that I was an artist and they did everything they could to try to help me become successful as an artist. And like, Knight, was that kind of similar to you? Like, did your parents come from a, a, a culture where artists are celebrated or is it more individual to them because they are artists as well? I think it's very individual. Okay. I, I will admit I don't know exactly the history of my family but uh, a good portion of my family, at least my dad's, on my dad's side of the family, uh, a lot of them are artists. I think one of them's like an interior designer, 
art teacher, stuff like that. He's a music professor, but music and art kind of go hand in hand in our family. Um, and my mom's side, not so much, but she kind of brought in the business part of it. So she was very, you know, business oriented. She she was the one that was kind of the money maker of the family. So she kept us stable. And I feel like stability is something that art doesn't inherently guarantee you. So it was really nice that she was there to balance out my dad's kind of weird musical genius kind of personality. Um, and yeah, I I don't say because I'm I'm Chinese, so um, I don't think China necessarily as a culture uphold artists in any form. But I think my family really um, encouraged an artistic upbringing because that was the culture that they created in our family. Um, and yeah. I think my dad really well. I think he wanted musicians. I think he wanted a guitarist actually. Because he's a guitarist, so he was really excited about having a kid that would jam with him, I think. But uh, none of us ended up being that. Uh, and, I mean, to be honest, uh, Amy, actually, my older sister, she's not really in music anymore. She's in a kind of... She's in cinematography, actually, avant-garde film. Is that right? My yeah. goodness. I, I meant to Oh, to gosh. Ask. You've just opened a door <laughs> for Marshall. Um, did you see how Marshall switched his positioning? He's like, all right. Let's right. talk cinematography. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's talk about movies. <laughs> yeah, no, she she pivoted, but it it was it was actually really awesome to see, right? Because we both grew up pretty similarly. Um, she also struggled to enjoy music fully. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure if she was ever passionate about it. I think she became passionate once it's the way that she thought. She sees the world like a musician would, because that's how she was raised. Um, I'm not, I don't know personally if she will ever play piano again, um, but it's wow. definitely changed how she perceives the world. And we have a lot of conversations about how I perceive the world versus how she does, because musicians and artists don't necessarily see it the same way. Uh, but now she's, she, you know, she's always had a passion for photography. That was one of the first things she picked up as a hobby her okay. not not my dad not my mom it was her um and she carried that with her taking elective classes in music school doing avant-garde film she eventually taught the same class that she took in in college she went back in, to teach at eastman um and yeah now she makes projection light film for concerts for uh interactive installation displays she does a lot of really cool things, but she she's very cutting edge. Well, what a what a trip! And I'm I am I am surprised, and I'm a little I'm a little baffled. Amy's <laughs> Amy's performing technique on that piano was just extraordinary. She was really impressive, and I was not surprised when you told me that she went to Eastman. But that newspaper article on her, she mm -hmm. revealed to the world that she did not like to practice, as I recall. Does that sound right to you? She revealed oh, yeah. that this was not a pleasure to her. And I've thought about it for all of these years, whatever it's been, 15 years. Um, and now you're telling me that she has left it and she may not play the piano again. There is something about when the pressure is that you must do this, it can rob the joy yeah. of it, which is one reason why. So many people who want to go into the arts as a profession may not know what they're, what they're wishing for, is that when you yeah. go into it, the pressure can and often does take away the joy. But there's another thing and a more positive thing. 
And that is that to master music at the level that Amy did, and then to choose the camera is the thing nobody made me do. It's my love. It's my choice instrument. The problems of cinematography are in some ways exactly like musical performing. You have an instrument, you have a stretch of time, you have dynamics, you have contrasts, you have a flow of, of where the eye goes. There's many things in common. So she's probably excited that now I get to do it with my instrument. But that is, that is interesting though to know that all of that energy and then all the way through college and then to say now I've segued. And it also makes me wonder, Knight, it makes me wonder what will what your story will be in another seven or 10 years and whether you will continue with art, find the niche of it that you feel most autonomy with, uh, most ownership of, uh, or whether it will segue. Do you have any thoughts about that? I think the difference between her and me is that I was I was given the space and the time to fall in love with it. And I do, I do love it. Um, I don't think I will ever stop doing art in my lifetime because it is so closely tied with how I think now. Um, it is so closely tied with how I perceive the world, what I enjoy in the world. I don't do very much outside of art, actually. <laughs> hmm. um, and uh, Amy does. She she found something else that she loves to do. Um, so for me, art will be the thing that I, I live and die by, I think. Uh, that will be... Yeah. That will be that will be the thing that I do for the rest of my life. Uh, whether or not I will keep being online, if I will keep being a public figure, uh, I think is up for debate. I don't know if I will. I don't know if I'll stay available for people to see my work. Um, but that's like years in the future. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Wait, should we take down this episode? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's okay. I, I mean, this is this is like end of career Spotlight. stuff. Everybody, go follow her. <laughs> no, it'll be it'll definitely be end of career stuff. Um, because yeah, no, I I think I've I've decided for myself what I love about art, and it's it's I think what got me through college, what got me through everything else, uh, as unscathed as I could possibly be, I guess. Um, because you know, a lot of people in college they discover that they don't. They might not like art as much as they thought they did, or they might not actually be as strong and passionate about art as they thought they were. Um, and that was never in question for me. There was never an option for me to not do art. Yeah. Um, and there remains no option for me to not do art. I will do this regardless of the hardship. And I think that has given me, has made it easier for me, I think, to get through a lot of the hard times. Um if you don't have the security of knowing that there literally is no way out, so you kind of have to make it work, yeah, uh, that the the risks and the stakes are a lot higher. I think you had the advantage of being a second born daughter, also with enough of a oh, gap yes. between Amy and you, to where, like you said, you were given your space. And yes, yeah, that's a big deal. I feel like it's an interesting paradigm, though, huh? With with parents, it's like you have these two extremes, which both can ruin. Uh, a, a child's love for for what they do or um, like for example you have a, a parent that uh, tries to reject the idea of the of the student or the, the the child being an artist and tries to convince them to do something else the so the unsupportive parent 
Um, and then you have this ultra supportive parent, like in this case, um, where they push too far and they too hard. And it's like you, you, you have something so enjoyable, like art that the student, you know, the, the child starts to hate it because it's not theirs. They don't feel like this is me. This is my parents. Yeah. I'm not the one in love with this. It's my parents. And so, you start fighting it because it's not, it's not the thing that you chose. Not just because it's not something that's fun to do. It is something fun to do. But just because it's not your choice, you fight it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, so, what, what, you know, parents have to be like right there in the middle, right? Like, you let your, I guess the, you know, the, the lesson here for parents is that you don't push either way. You just let your child figure it out on their own, but give them tools and, and help them help them figure it out on their own. Because once you figure it out, you're so much stronger. It, yeah, it, it has right? to be their decision to, to want to do it. I think passion is, has never been instilled in someone. I think you have to be able to to urge it from <laughs> you <good>. yourself. <laughs> Passion never been instilled. It's got to be the fuel within. Yes. Yeah. Are you going to have your parents watch this podcast? <laughs> oh gosh, I, I, I feel like I have to. <laughs> preface, I feel like I have to preface that. Um, you know, I've come to terms with myself and my childhood, uh, and like they're not like like all parents. They're not bad people, but they can make mistakes because that's human, right? Um, and I think they recognized <laughs> what they did with Amy because they didn't do the same with me. Um, that's why she and I, I think, ended up really differently. I stuck with art. She didn't stick with music. Um, and so for, for my parents, I think now they're just supportive. I think mm -hmm. that's why I was able to just leave art school. I just called my mom and I was like, Hey, mom, I know this is like kind of probably not according to plan, but <laughs> I kind of wanted to ask if I could leave <laughs> school <laughs> and drop out. Wait, what did they say? Um, what did your mom say? <laughs> she was like, give me an hour. I'm gonna <laughs> give me an hour to decide. <laughs> give me an hour. That's all. She's probably talking to my dad. And my dad, I think my dad has always been on the artist side. I think he's always been on the side of you do what you need to do as an artist. And I think my mom was the one who really just wanted me to have an education. But I think she also recognizes that as someone who isn't an artist but is a businesswoman, she recognizes that the world has changed. There's there's not really a space for the artist that doesn't have a sense for business. Um, and as long as I can make those decisions for myself and she's just there to support me, as long as I have good reasons, right? I have to have good reasons for this. But if I do... And if I feel like, if I seem like I, I know what I want for myself, for my life, then she will just be there for me. Night, I want you to know that I admire your parents. And mm. the most time that I spent with them was when we sat at Starbucks with you when you were a kid. And their, their commitment, their seriousness, their, mm. their willingness to listen, they were so intent on everything I said. It was as if everything I said was really important stuff for their daughter and where you were going to go. And so, yes, I came away from that meeting uh, as sorry in historical retrospect 
that I did not get to cheat, teach you during your childhood. I came away from that meeting uh, feeling very good about their involvement with and, and care for you. And I also felt good about uh, referring Josh. So, I'm glad it worked out that way. And again, I think it's really easy to, to blame your parents for a lot of things. But I, I think my parents really did contribute a lot to me being able to make the choices that I did. I think the fact that they were supportive, that they wanted me to do art, and the fact that I was able to fall in love with it in the end, uh, it just, I mean, the, those two ended up being mutually beneficial. And they they did, in the end, just want me to be happiest doing what I wanted to do. So I think for for that to be the case, I was, I was very lucky, very privileged, um, especially because then my mom called me back an hour later. She's like, do what makes you happy. Oh, yay. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. I was like thanks, mom. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. send you the paperwork like tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. No, no, that's, she. That's great. Yeah, it's, it, it was, I mean, you know, parents also grow, you know, they're not just ready when they start. So it was yeah. Yeah. really nice to know that they had my back. And so it was like, yeah, a lot of things have changed since then. I'm a bigger person since then. Uh, and I think my parents and I understand each other a lot more since then. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's all a nice, happy ending to that whole story. But yeah, I feel like with your uh, with the the story of your sister, I feel like even there, that's a success story. And I feel like that's there's a lot of good parenting happening there too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they might have been a little bit too hard, but she learned a lot of good lessons from going so deep into music and being so disciplined and focused on it, even if it was by force, that now she's able to apply what she learned to her own art, mm-hmm. to filmmaking. Yeah, You know, not everybody gets to learn that sort of thing as a kid to be so, pa- uh, not passionate, to be so uh, strict and disciplined with uh with getting good at something, you know, not everybody goes through that. I, I do agree. I think I think her, her experiences in, in music have really benefited her moving into doing what she actually wanted to do with her life. Um, so, yeah, we are pretty privileged and very lucky to have been able to have those experiences. Well, I have one more question. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you, going forward, you probably don't want to be online. As an influencer, oh. or, or a, what did you say? As a public, public figure, figure. Um, what's the reason? I want to learn. I, I want to know more about about that. Mm-hmm. Well, so so that's like pretty far into the future. Um, but I I think I came to terms with the fact that um, social media has and always will be a crutch. It will it will always be something that I I know is something I kept up because. I liked the attention when I was a teenager and it was, Mm. and it's always kind of been a weird place for me. Um, At the time I needed the external motivation um, to really push me through drawing because I didn't like it at the time. (laughs) So I needed someone else to tell me that they liked it so that I would feel like, okay, maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe I could do this. Maybe me doing this isn't like a total garbage idea, right? So 
posting on social media almost nearly every day someone would comment and like it and be like hey this is awesome i love it like or you're my inspiration and that affected me a lot when i was younger um but you know i was also what 16 17 <laughs> um and how much of your worldview gets shaped by something like that um i think has a pretty big impact on you as a person and so once i got older like probably post high school I think in the gap year between going to SCAD and, and high school, I realized that I was not happy with the idea of being someone who found motivation through that. I wanted to love art genuinely, um, and I had not yet learned how to love it. Uh, and so I believe at that point, I dropped social media almost entirely. I don't think I posted more than two pieces within a, a year's worth of span. I think it was six months in between each post that I did. Um, and each of those posts were not great. They were a struggle. Um, and I did it because I felt guilty, not because I felt like I mm. I wanted to do it. And um, I think after I realized that I did it out of guilt because I wasn't, because people would ask me like, oh, where are you? It's like, not drawing. That's where I am. <laughs> not, not drawing at all. Um, what were you doing? Honestly, nothing. Honestly, not not very much at all. I think I, I tried to keep myself busy doing projects. So I had done a lot of, um, I had done a lot of. Uh, I started getting into music video, uh, art direction. I'd started like my my friends and I started doing a bunch of stuff together. Um, I did uh, character art for music videos. I did. Mo I started learning motion graphics. Like I was doing other things. I wasn't doing okay. art, um, and I wasn't thinking about What's it. What's art? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you were doing character designs for my it's for akin music to videos, art, but it wasn't art that yeah, I was doing but... for myself, right? You know, like a slightly oh, okay. different. Yeah. Um, oh really? I mean, I you. Why were you doing that? You weren't doing those as something fun with your friends. It was. It was fun forced. with my friends, but it was because it was with my friends. It wasn't art. Okay. It wasn't art that I did because okay. I wanted to do it necessarily. It's because my friends wanted to do it. I would love to, you know, do fun things with them. So. And I have a skill okay. set in art. Um, but after after a certain amount of time, I think I, I had a lot of really tough conversations with myself. And I recognized that I do love art, but I was looking at it in such a poor lens that I just needed to shift perspectives um, and, how I, and how my relationship with art was changing as I was growing up. Um, and I realized I wasn't content doing the same kind of art that I was doing on social media at the time. Uh, so for me... I knew I had to shift, and that shift happened for the entire duration that I wasn't active online. I think I struggled through being online at SCAD. I kind of started coming back at the beginning of LCAD, um, and then even now, it's it's pretty limited. I post like maybe once every couple weeks. It's a lot more than I used to, but it's still not as much as I did in high school. But it's a distance that I, I think I really started to appreciate once I realized that this was privacy that I didn't have when I was younger. As a teenager, I was so ready to just give everything away. So ready just to, to have every idea, my entire being just like out on the internet because the people on the internet appreciated the version of me that they had invented. So I was convinced I could become that person, right? Um, but the person that I am now I have things that I want to do in my life. 
Uh, I have stuff that I want to do with my art because I think they're fun and I think they're cool. If people out there don't think they're cool, that's fine because I'm excited about them. And so, you know, that's like a change that I, I, it changed in my mentality that I had to, I had to grow into. And now that I've grown into it, sort of, like I'm, I'm learning to, to grapple with it. Um, I think it really cemented for me the idea that at some point I would like to live totally away from the ideas and the opinions of other people about who and what my art should be for and what it should be about, um, what it should look like, how to match up with the rest of the people in the community, you know, every trend, every bandwagon, every fan-made content that passes my feed, they inform me what the current zeitgeist is in the art community. I don't need that for myself. Because you've got your own vision so powerfully? Well, I should. I should. I should be having my own vision. And I struggle forming that without the the input of other people's art on my own. Um, because I just never used to do that for myself. Uh, so, you know, it's a change. But I think, I, I think I've, I've recognized that at some point, further down the line, maybe once I've gotten past the point of needing social media to get contracts... And I can just rely on knowing people. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe I'll formally step away. I don't know. It's it's a it's a thought that's floating in my head. It's been floating in my head since high school, um, because you know it's nice to live offline. I didn't appreciate it when I was younger, but it's it's really nice to to be able to work on my art alone and just be happy with it on my on my own. So. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm coming from. But again, it's probably not happening for a while. Well, that's interesting. 22 years old and you're already thinking about how you're going to reinvent yourself <laughs> when you are pulled out of the current zeitgeist. <laughs> <laughs> you've, got an, you've got something in there that will be untainted by the surrounding territory that will be original. But you, you're the one who's, who's telling us this. Nobody else is looking at it and saying, all right, what is you've got there in, in their original? You've got something in you that says this must, I want this mm -hmm. uh, to come out and it has to be uh, uncontaminated or uninfluenced. It, it has to be authentically what I want it to be. I think the danger is that it's really easy to say, well, that's not... Pop, a popular format for it. So I should yeah. probably go in a way that's a little bit more successful, like something that's a little bit more tried and true, maybe a little bit safe. Or if I'm even going to go kind of experimental, there's a mainstream way to do that. Well, that'll be interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see. I mean, you haven't given us any hints mm -hmm. as to what that would look like. You haven't given us any descriptions of what it might be. Because it's not for you, Marshall. I know. But <laughs> the, th yeah. the thing is, you've got, you've got something there. So it does make me curious as to what it will be. Uh, and we have seen it. We've seen it happen with uh, a, a number of artists historically and, mm -hmm. uh, and even, even now where they set aside what they did. They go into retreat typically uh, and then come out of retreat and say, hey, look what I got. Oh, wow. That's different. Yeah. Yeah, it's what I needed yeah. to do. I needed to get away from the commissions and the other people who have ropes tied to this thing and can pull it in different directions. And I found the thing that this really is what it wants to be. 
Mm-hmm. I hope that for you, Knight. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I appreciate the the preemptive encouragement. Uh, um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, and to be honest, I'm not even a hundred percent sure what it is I I want to do. But you know, every day that I think about art, every year that I spent doing this professionally and also for myself, I think I'll I'll have a better picture of it. And maybe at the end of my career, who knows? Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, at the at the moment, I'm I'm just really excited to be around people that are so inspiring to have so many different ideas coming in at the same time. I think that's that's really cool. And I think where I'm at right now, it's good for me. It's good to, for me to have different influences. Um, but yeah, I, I think, and I, actually this was asked of me not too long ago, like, will I ever stop drawing? No, it's, it's I will just stop sharing and being available for um, people to, to have an input on what I do. Um, and what I'll do at the time, I don't know. <laughs> I hope it'll be something that I, <laughs> that I'm excited about. Hopefully it'll be something that is true and genuine and honest. Um, yeah. who knows? I, I, sure I can't tell be. you. It sounds a little bit like the tortured artist that you mentioned <laughs> that your dad wanted you to be. Yeah. It sounds like you're heading to, you want, you want to be that tortured artist that's, I don't know what I want to do, but it's going to be pure, purely me. <laughs> it's weird because I had always said that I will never be the weird, dramatic, poetic person. But I feel like the older I get, <laughs> the more. wrong with that. Well, I feel like the older I get, the more I become this like poetic person that speaks only in abstract, vague things. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit strange uh, because yeah. that was not the person I was uh, a while ago. But I don't know. It. I feel like the older I get, the the easier it is to kind of see things from a macro lens um but that being said like none of the things i want to do are going to be groundbreaking or world changing or crazy uh they're very they're not going to be that way because i don't think i have a message that i want to share with the world it's just the things that i want to do with my life so that i am satisfied with the work that i've done in my life i think that that's the main goal um what that'll be I don't know, maybe it'll be just, I'll pivot from game design to graphic novels or animation. I don't know. I don't know what it'll be. Um, you go back to manga. Maybe. I mean, you know, you have to think, like, if you spent your whole childhood reading that stuff, living that stuff, breathing yeah. that stuff, like, that's got to have done something to my head. <laughs> yeah, you could, yeah, that's the kind of thing that I wouldn't be surprised if you revisited it later in life with, mm-hmm. a, uh, with a whole new take on it. Yeah, genres evolve, and they often evolve by pe- from people who've been immersed in them long enough to know how that they they get an instinct for how they should evolve. I, I have a feeling that that will probably come back into play. You know, like I've been thinking, I about you know doing stuff that isn't necessarily strictly industry things, like not doing character design, but doing illustrations for a variety of other things that have nothing to do with games. Um, graphic novels, animated shorts, like all of these new skills that I don't necessarily have or not necessarily trained in, but skills that I think would be really awesome to have because they open the world of possibilities. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I just I just like drawing. And so oh. for me, that that's enough for now. <laughs> well, good having you here yeah. as a guest, Knight. Yeah, it's awesome being here. It was really interesting hearing your story. It was a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you too. 
Yeah, usually when we end this, I ask, how can people follow you? But I'm a little worried yeah. if I should even ask that. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> where, where can people find you? I mean, if you want them to find you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I have the same name pretty much everywhere. Thanks to high school me branding everything properly. Um, but uh, yeah, so Instagram, Twitter, ArtStation, I'll have the same name. Aruceli, which is A-R-U-C-E-L-L-I. I don't, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it was just a name I picked in middle school. R-U-C- A-R-U-C-E-L-L-I. It's, okay. it's strange. I don't, I don't, there's no, there's no meaning <laughs> to it. How do you say it? I say it Aruselli, but because of how it's spelled, a lot of people say it with the Italian yeah. uh, accent, which is Aruselli, except it's not <laughs> okay. how you say it, but I also rec- I recognize that that was my mistake, so I never <laughs> yeah. stop anyone from saying it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, just, it was just a name that I picked. Um, but yeah, now you can find me on all those spaces there. Um, I also stream on Twitch every Friday around 7pm, and I just right. kind of draw oh, cool. or do things. Uh, so yeah, I tend to... People ask me questions on there, and then I ramble for about an hour, and then I go back to drawing. So that's the kind of feeling <laughs> that those Twitch streams used to have. But yeah, uh, that's pretty much all the spaces that I'm currently active on. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you, Knight. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right, guys. Everybody, go follow Aruchelli. <laughs> oh, <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. It's all good. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. See y'all. We are recording on a faithful monitor. We are recording on a... Oh, hey, uh, I've got the fan on. Hang on.